How many of you guys enjoyed that skit? Y'all was feeling that? Yeah. Put this right here. Man, I'm super excited for tonight. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Jonathan. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. Um, who's, who, who are those people, right? Um, I, I, uh, I'm the youth pastor here. We have services every Wednesday here at the Hope Center, kind of like this. And um, I was given the opportunity to preach tonight. Pastor John, your pastor, is actually in L.A. right now with his wifey thing. Um, they're on their one-year anniversary, so you can count on every one-year anniversary they go. I'm going to be here, so it's our anniversary. Hey, nice to meet you. We're going to start a little anniversary between us. I'm going to just let you know right now I'm a little ratchet, so if you don't know me, just prepare yourself, okay? Um, man, I'm excited for tonight. Real quick, before we continue, I want to just say to everybody watching on YouTube, anybody watching on any platform, man, we just want to say welcome. Man, could we all just say welcome on the count of three? One, two, three. Welcome. welcome home. We love you. We care about you. We're praying for you. We are on your corner. You might feel like you're alone, but know that there's a group of people that love you and that are praying for you. And that can, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Ooh, y'all got me started because we already had one service. So I'm already on the overflow. Come on. Is anybody in the room on the overflow? The Bible talks about our cup running over. We're not going to get there. I just feel the Holy Spirit, man. I'm so hyped. I'm so ready. Um, real quick before I want to continue, like I said, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. And I'm just, I want to prepare you for tonight because tonight's not going to be a regular sermon of mine. Uh, usually I'm saying stories. I said last service I wasn't going to say a story. I accidentally did. So I'm not making any promises this service. But, um, man, I, I really just have a lot of scripture I want to read with you guys today. Um, just in case you don't know, we're in a sermon series called Walk. Somebody say Walk. And uh, we are on the second week of that sermon series. Week one, we talked about how God wants to walk with us. Wasn't that amazing? Didn't Pastor John murk that? He killed that. God wants to walk with us. And um, this week, we have uh, the sermon series. And, and this second week, it's not God wants to walk with us, but it's Jesus walks with us. And, uh, man, if you're taking notes, at the top of your notes, put Jesus walks. Top of your notes, put Jesus walks. I'm about to jump into my sermon. Y'all ready? I want to talk about this skit here. Uh, the kid who walked into Champs, he asked two questions. Question number one was, what did Jesus do in those? What did he do? Question number two is, how much did they cost? I plan on answering both of those questions by the end of tonight. You guys ready? We got to see highlights of Kobe. We got to see highlights of Jordan. So let me give you some highlights of your God. This first part that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to reveal three moments that are my favorite. But to answer the boy's question, what did Jesus do? Jesus walked. So what I thought would be fun today is if we went to three times in the Bible where Jesus in his life walked. The three most important things, my favorite three. My favorite three times where Jesus has walked. We're going to go through these stories. And we're going to see what we pull from them. You guys ready? You guys ready? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I want to remind you real quick that this walk that we're about to talk about is the walk that reveals the heart of Jesus. This walk that I'm about to talk about is the walk that reveals the heart of God. You ready? Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. It says... 
And just to give you some backstory, Jesus is with thousands of people. There's a crowd following Jesus. Jesus is walking. He's teaching. He's doing dope stuff. Somebody's blind. Now they can see. Somebody's crippled. Now they crip walking. Not the same thing. Jesus is doing crazy stuff and thousands of people are following him. The Bible mentions that a man comes up to Jesus. Look what happens. The Bible says Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake. There at the lakeside, a large crowd gathered around him. Jairus, an official of the local synagogue, arrived when he saw Jesus. So what is the Bible saying? What's a synagogue? A synagogue is basically a church. And if you don't know this, back in those days, whoever worked in the synagogue, the Pharisees, the, the, the people like this man, Jairus, who is an official, those people who are important to the synagogue, they were the only people that were allowed to live in the circumference of the synagogue. And then as you look at the further circumference, it would be another level. And as the levels went down on who was the most important to the synagogue, those are the people that lived closest to the house of God. So when we see that Jarius is in this crowd, we can assume that a lot of important people are in this crowd. Because Jarius is he's a very important person. You got to remember that the synagogues at this time was one of the hugest things. And Jarius is there, and the Bible talks about a moment. Look at what it says. Jesus gets to the other side of the lake. There at the lakeside, a large crowd gathered around him. Jarius, an official of the local synagogue, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, look what he does. He threw himself down at his feet and he begged him earnestly. My little daughter is very sick. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will get well and be alive. What is he saying? This guy, Jarius, who is a leader at the synagogue, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, listen, I know you got a crowd with you, but I got a daughter at home. She's sick. She's dying. Could you imagine a man walking up to Jesus in front of all these important people, in front of thousands of people, rich, wealthy, poor, people who are in charge of the church functions, people who everybody knows, and Jesus is there. And this man says, Jesus, I know you're in a crowd. But could you leave them and come for me? Can you leave them and come for her? Man, how many of us would our family's life be changed if we took that same stance and said, God, I'm not coming up to you for me, but I got a sister at home that's bugging out. I got a little brother at home that's going through it. My mom is dealing with a breakup. Holy Spirit, can you come not on behalf of... Don't come on behalf of me. Come on behalf of the one I'm praying for. You got to understand the audacity of what's going on. You got to understand how crazy this is because a man is walking up to Jesus in a crowd of a bunch of important people. And what does he say? He says, God, I need you to follow me to come heal my daughter. Why is that so crazy? You need to understand that at that, that this time, there were two of the most counted out people in the world. And it was these two types of people. It was children and it was women. In this time, Theologians believed that a lot of the times when they would get statistics of the people that were following Jesus, that they didn't even count the women and children. They only counted the men. That's why in the scripture where it says that Jesus fed 5,000 men, the Bible says that Jesus for sure fed 5,000. But theologians believe that with those 5,000 men, there was at least one child and one wife for every single man. So the Bible talks about 5,000 people being fed when really theologians say that it's safe to say over 15,000 people were fed. 
But because they were not counted for, the women and children did not give a good number. They didn't even count them. And this man is walking up to Jesus and saying, hey, listen, I know in the scripture, in the, in the way that they were writing, in the way that they counted down the numbers, you counted out children and you counted out women. But I got a little girl. Can you leave all of these important people to come to the one that they don't even count? And Jesus walks to Jerry's his daughter. Point number one, Jesus walks to me. Jesus walks to me. Look at the person next to you say, Jesus walks to me. Next part of Jesus that I want to talk about is the most supernatural walk of Jesus' entire life. The moment where Jesus walked on water. Could we go through that scripture? Look at what it says. This is so dope. There's a moment where Jesus and Peter, they walk together in the water. But before that, it says that Jesus walked on the water shortly after, before, shortly before dawn. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Look at what Peter does. Peter goes, come, he said. Then look at what he says. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. See, Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. And when he recognized who he's talking to, he asks Jesus to do something or allow him to do something that makes no sense. But the funny part is the first person that saw him did not ask Jesus for the supernatural. He thought he was a ghost. My question to you is, do you recognize God when he's walking your way? Jesus walking to him and instead of seeing his savior, he sees a ghost and he's terrified. But the man who recognizes Jesus says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, let me walk on this water. Could you imagine Jesus giving the ocean a backbone? Could you imagine Jesus turning the water under their feet into solid ground? They're literally walking on a miracle. Look at what the scripture says. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down off of his boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Could you imagine him and Jesus walking? Man, if I was him walking with Jesus, I would have done a TikTok. I would have gone viral, movie, I would have been lit. If I was walking on that water, what? I would have been dancing on that thing. I would have been diving in the water, but not really diving because it's hard now, so I'm just busting my head like, look, look. I'm just doing nothing. I'm walking on that water, I'm having a good time. Look at what happens. Then Peter got down on the boat, he walked on the water, he came toward Jesus, but when he saw the wind, come on, when he saw the wind, could you imagine this? He sees wind, but he's walking on water. He's, he's getting, look at the scripture. He says, Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. Peter's already walking on water. And he's coming towards Jesus on the water. 
And while he's close to Jesus, and while he's walking on the water with Jesus, the Bible says that he gets afraid because he sees the wind. And the Bible says that he began to sink. And then he started to cry out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. I want to give you some revelation today. The same God that called you out of the boat is the same God that's there to pick you up when you fall. You, you, you really think that God will call you out of your boat if he wasn't planning to pick you up when you fell? You think God put it in your heart to come here tonight? It's your first time. You had no reason to be here, but you're here, and you made it, and you got here, and you're walking on water, and little do you know, a miracle's about to happen. Don't let the fear that runs in front of you stop you for the miracle that you're walking on oh I feel the Holy Spirit he's walking on water with Jesus but he let the storm distract him from his current miracle how are you afraid of something happening when you're literally walking on a miracle he was too busy looking up when he should have just been looking down I want to give you something to think about. Write this down. Don't let the storm distract you from the miracles that God is currently doing. If only he focused on how far he was from the boat. What if he would have just focused on how far he was from the boat? He gets off the boat one step, two step, three step, four step, five step. Oh, wait, look, the wind, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to go on. I'm worrying. But had he just looked at how far he was from the boat, he would then have realized, if God brought me this far, there's no way he's going to stop me from getting further. Why would God allow you to walk on water just to let you sink? No. God had already given you the power to walk on that water. But sometimes we let the life storms distract us from a miracle that we're already walking in. You already got that job. You already got that girl. You got that girl you've been praying for this whole time, and now y'all going through a rough patch in your relationship, and you're looking at it as a storm that's going to ruin y'all, and God's like, that's what you asked for. I gave you what you asked for. You thought this was going to be easy. That's the problem. You thought getting in a relationship with her was going to be benefit you, that it was supposed to benefit you, when really the only reason why I get in a relationship is to focus on you, not me. My job is to help you, not me. And your job is to help me, not you. But the problem is we get into a relationship, and then eight steps down the road, we look at God and say, God, I'm starting to sink. And God is saying, I gave you that miracle. You prayed for this relationship. You prayed for that job. You prayed for that miracle. Come on, see how I'm okay. You prayed for this. You prayed for this. But we give up our miracle because we are afraid. And we let our current storm distract us from our current miracle. Stop focusing on what God needs to do. Focus on what he's already doing. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit, man. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. If only he had just focused. Because when you remember how far God has brought you, it gives you faith to go to where he's taking you. My favorite part of the text is this, the last two verses. Look what it says. But when Jesus saw the wind, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
Bible said immediately. What does that mean? For Jesus to pick him up immediately, he had to be right with him. Point number two. Point number one was Jesus walks to me. Point number two, Jesus walks with me. So that even if I fall, he can get me up real quick. That's why when I get saved, Jesus is inside of me. And the first thing I want to do is get next to someone that I can lift up whenever they feel like they're falling. The problem is you thought that the only lifting was God lifting you. And really God lifted you so you can lift someone up. The problem is that you think your miracle only lasts your generation. But when God did a miracle in your generation, he was planning to do a miracle in the next generation. And he was planning to do that miracle in the next generation. And it was supposed to carry over from seed to seed. But you too selfish thinking this is my miracle. This is my miracle. And God is saying, no, I've just done it for you so you can do it for somebody else. Oh, Yabaisi. Point number two, Jesus walks with me. With me. Y'all saw that dance? With me. Don't give me the rap, because I can do that. No, I'm playing. I'm, I'm kidding. Not kidding. <clears throat> I want to close off with the most difficult walk of Jesus' entire life. You guys ready? Yeah. Background story, I just want to let you know that Jesus is about to walk with a cross on his back on the way to his death penalty. Bible talks about a story where Jesus is brought to Pilate, who is Pilate. He is the one who is basically governing whether or not Jesus will die or not. And it's just so funny because on the day that Jesus was put to be crucified, there was this one day, it just so happened to be the same day called the Passover. What happened on the Passover? Every single year on the Passover, the Bible tells us that on that day, Pilate would release a criminal from prison. So on the day that Jesus was murdered, the world and society created a system to set him free and they still did it. Bible talks about a moment. Let's look at it. Look what it says. So what is the truth? Reported Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I said no. Find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews, Jesus? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Who's Barabbas? The Bible talks about Barabbas, and Barabbas happened to be one of the most infamous criminals in that area. And the people who have seen Barabbas do things, rob from them, hurt their children, hurt his family, they're looking at Barabbas and they're saying, no, let him free. Give us Barabbas and kill Jesus. Well, the audacity. What has he done but heal the sick? What has he done but heal the, the, the lame? What has he done but brought restoration? And Barabbas, somebody known for evil. But yet you choose that Jesus is the one to deal with this. That doesn't make any sense. Look at what it says. The Bible says that after that happens, they choose, their, they choose the criminal over Jesus. Give us the criminal. What happens next? They whip Jesus. The Bible says that they gave him the most lashes that was allowed in that time minus one. That's how the Bible describes it. It doesn't say he got whipped 99 times. It says he got whipped the max minus one. Letting you know that as much as they could whip your Savior, they did it. 
What happened next? They started to spit and flog our Savior. Could you imagine? Jesus created, if I was Jesus, I would have Thanos to everybody. They all would have been disintegrated. But Jesus, what does he do? Head down. They put a crown of thorns on the guy who created wood. He created the universe. He put the stars. See, here's the thing. I think we forget. I, I think the moment that we will really catch how supernatural Jesus is and God is, I think we'll, we, we won't ever really understand how huge of a deal that is until we're eternal beings in heaven. Because that's when we get to ask God, man, when you saw that star, what made you name it that? When you saw that moon, why'd you name it a moon? God, look, and we get to really step into the galaxies with him. And we get to see you are huge. And this huge God is picking up a cross that doesn't belong to him. What has he done but done good? All he's done is help the sick. Look what else happens. John 19, verse 16 through 18, it says, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. The crucifixion of Jesus. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. Could you imagine Jesus? The Bible talks about how Jesus was carrying the cross, and the cross was so heavy that Jesus dropped the cross. Jesus, the creator of everything, did not have the strength to pick up a cross and he dropped it. He drops the cross. And you know what's crazy? The Bible talks about a man who goes up and picks up the cross of Jesus and you got to understand how controversial that is. Because in that time, think about it, everyone's killing Jesus in front of everyone and you go to help Jesus when his, when his cross drops? You step and break the mold out of everyone and say, I'll pick it up. Man, y'all don't really get this because me personally, I, I understand what this looks like. Me, before I was saved, let's just say don't try me. <laughs> but I used, to, I used to like, I used to like really like be angry all the time and like get in a lot of fights. And I remember sometimes I would, I would go and somebody would be like, yeah, we're going to have a fair one. If you don't know what that is, God bless you. You're lucky. If you do know what that is, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. A fair one is basically when you and someone else pulls up one-on-one -on -one and y'all start swinging. But a lot of times in my life, that wasn't always the case. Next thing you know, people start coming from everywhere. And then, as they come from everywhere, people just start running away. The people who are supposed to help you fight, they just run it. So I know how difficult it is to stand firm in a moment where you don't want to be there. I know what it is to be in a moment where you do not want to be standing up, where you don't want to be in the room, when you don't want to be in the situation. Now imagine Jesus, the innocent man who's done nothing. He's there. And it's so tough for everyone around him to help him because everyone's attacking him. In some situations, people are running away. Bob talks about Peter denying Jesus three times. People don't want to associate themselves with him. But one man does. Side note, the Bible talks about that man. You study into him. That man was born in South Africa. He was a black man. 
And my problem with that is, I don't know how in this society it's so hard for us to stand up for them when they stood up for our savior. stands up for his savior he picks up the cross for jesus but the problem is that wasn't jesus's cross that was barabbas's cross that wasn't jesus's cross to carry that was barabbas's cross to carry he was evil he was sick he was it was barabbas's cross that was my cross he carried that was your cross he carried Point number one, Jesus walks to you. Point number three, Jesus walks, point number two, Jesus walks with you. Point number three, Jesus walked as you. Jesus walked as you. Because he knew we couldn't do it. So to answer the boy's question, and I'm closing to answer the boy's question, he had two questions. What did Jesus do, man? Jesus walked. Jesus walked to me. He walked with me. And he walked as if he were me. And to answer his second question, how much did it cost? It cost Jesus everything. But for you, it's free. Bow your heads, close your eyes. This gift, this gift is free. It cost the price. Jesus paid it. But you don't have to. And it doesn't matter if you were sent to the store with 80 bucks. You might not be able to get Jordans. You might not be able to get Kobe's, but you can get Jesus tonight. So if you want to receive the gift of Jesus, when I count to three, I don't want you to be the third person to raise your hand. I don't want you to be the second person to raise your hand. When I count to three, I want you to be the first person to raise your hand. If you want to receive Jesus, for real this time when i count to three shoot your hands up as fast as you can come on one nobody's looking it's between you and god come on two nobody's watching you nobody's judging you you're in a house with family come on one two three raise your hands all over this room we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven let's give, give some worship on to jesus hallelujah 11 souls gave their life to Christ. We're going to do a salvation prayer right now. I want you guys all to fist bump each other, keep them held. And we're going to pray this off as a family. If you rose your hand and everybody in this room, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. All 11 of you and the rest of the house because we do this as a family. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you've done. I know that I'm not perfect, but I know that you still love me. So God, write my name in the book of life. Wash myself in the blood. Lord, I love you and I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, we all said as a church, amen. And amen, come on, give some praise on it, God. Hallelujah. He's done it. Real briefly, if you are online and if you're in this room, if you rose your hand, all 11 of you, if you rose your hand to Jesus, text this number, text them your name, text them your phone number. Well, not your phone number. 
Text them your name. Text them your age. And we have something special for you, for everybody who wants to get saved. Those online, those who gave their lives to Jesus through YouTube or through any of the platforms that we have, we want to invite you to reach out and text this number behind me. They're going to put it somewhere on the screen. Do not miss out on this opportunity for us to connect with you. Man, I love you guys so much.